the first half of the season has come to a close. UMass took an L to Merrimack 2-1 at Mullen Center. It was a tough loss, and we got all the details for you coming up. Let's go. everybody and welcome to episode 58 of high character umass with a really disappointing loss to close out the first half of the season they fall two to one at home to merrimack had a whole lot of penalties a whole lot of nothing going on on offense and we are here to talk about it my name is cameron i am joined by my good pal evan evan how you doing man uh i think that's the only way i can describe it um little upset you know what I mean like I think this is gonna sound kind of weird but like I feel better about the loss than the loss to Lowell just in the fact that like 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 we lost the game you know what I mean I don't think we can point to anything out of our control like the refs or anything like that like this was on UMass I you know we didn't really get outplayed the whole game you know I think you know we'll obviously get into the details of it but I just I don't know. It always sucks losing a one goal game to Merrimack because we know that's what's going to happen literally every time it's just written in the stars. So we knew what we were getting ourselves into, but just to be on the losing end of it, once again, it stings a little bit. You know what I mean? It's, it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, we were really hoping that UMass would close out this first half on the strong note. They have three weeks now without a game. And it'd be really good uh, when you're, claw on your way back up the hockey East standings to get three points and, and sit on that for a while, but they get zero Merrimack takes all three points in this game. Uh, really frustrating brand of hockey, especially in the last two periods, we see a um, lot of penalty minutes. I think the team as a whole had 29 that's including a game misconduct. So take that with a grain of salt, but that's still a ton outside of that. And in the third, they had a couple uh, power plays, didn't get it done. So um, just all, all things considered, one of the most frustrating games to watch, I think, this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that we definitely had spurts where we looked decent. And that's kind of the, the even the more frustrating part, in my opinion, is that we've, we've seen time and time again with this team, we can play unbelievable hockey when we want to. You know what I mean? And it's just to not be able to see that in – you know, long enough spurts for it to actually mean anything is super, super disappointing. And I mean, we kind of, I mean, at least I kind of knew that going in, like, again, this is a very young team. It's going to take some time to kind of figure out what it means to be an NCAA hockey player. You're going to figure out, you know, how to just, just play, you know what I mean? Like at this high level and to play with any sort of consistency. So it's definitely, you know, tough to watch the growing pains as a fan, you know, just because we care so much about the team. But, you know, I think we also got to tip our caps to Merrimack a little bit. I think they've, you know, we kind of talked about their strength of schedule early on, but when it comes to playing the teams that are highly ranked, they can hang just as well. You know what I mean? And I think they played a very, very solid brand of hockey, you know, granted, I think a couple of the goals were, were kind of gifts, you know, I think, I think, they still had a lot of chances throughout the game, you know, and that's going to be reflected in the shot totals, but you know, they, they still made their chances count where I don't think I can say the same for UMass in this game. 
Yeah, and definitely props to Merrimack. They this game could have easily been four or five to one in favor of Merrimack. They they had the edge with speed. It seemed like they beat UMass to pucks constantly, got around UMass skaters constantly. So they're a solid team, a fast team, and they they played hard and earned their victory yesterday. So certainly. Let's, let's just jump right into it. Uh first period of this game. Um, UMass came out firing I and mean, immediately minute and a half in, we see that lethal line of Taylor McCarr, Kenny Connors and Reed Lebster showing what they do best. Uh, pass comes to Taylor McCarr right on the doorsteps and he, he puts it bar down. I believe there's once again, no, no video to speak of on the UMass hockey page, but, um, we were right in front of that. I think we have a pretty good memory of this one and immediately makes it one, nothing UMass. And that one felt real good to start the game. Yeah, it's not like in a couple of weeks ago when we were in Belfast and we were trying to remember goals that, you know, because we recorded that episode a little bit late. You know, we definitely have a, a much more fresh idea of this goal in our mind. And yeah, I mean, we started off pretty, pretty solid in the period. I mean, we only had a minute and a half to, you know, to get this goal on the board, but uh, just a lot of good zone time and really a lot of good speed. I think that's kind of the one of the hallmarks of this line. Like Taylor, we know a super quick. Reed Lebster, super quick guy who's always really strong on the puck. Um and I think it was Reed Lebster that ended up kind of just, I think he was behind the net and was just kind of battling for the puck. He kind of just sweeps it towards the high slot. And Taylor McCarr just comes rushing in. He kind of does this weird little like toe drag scoop shot. And I can't tell if the goalie got a piece of it or not, if it was off his shoulder or something, but it definitely went off the crossbar and down and in. And, you know, we went absolutely ballistic because I think, I don't remember if Taylor is now the highest scoring guy on the team when it comes purely to goals, but he's been on an absolute tear as of late, you know, he's been doing his thing as a, as a goal scorer and this goal was no different. So it was a very, very good start to the game. Yeah. Very similar goal to the one that he scored against Lowell last Saturday, just kind of seemed like he got the puck right in the doorstep and looks like he stuffed it in. So um, good for Taylor. Nice little scoring streak he's got going. All right. We get to about halfway through the first uh, Merrimack starting to get a little bit of zone time themselves. And we see a, a, a weird little half one-time, half deflection goal from Matt Capone. Um, ties it up at 1-1. Yeah, I mean, they just had a lot of zone time here. And, I mean, they made it count, unfortunately enough. Um, it It's such a weird goal for me because, like, you, they kind of just find the soft spot. Like, we've genuinely had three guys in front of the net only covering two guys, like – I don't know. I mean, they're wheeling around with the puck here. I'm watching the goal again. We, it's just such a weird defensive setup for me because we have literally two guys covering the same guy who, who in the same point is literally, we have three guys screening uh, Pavisic right now. Like there's no way that Pavisic has seen the puck cleanly at all. And the guy in the mid slot right here, Capone, that ends up kind of doing this weird little chip shot in, He's completely uncovered. There's nobody within five feet of him. Like, that's just a major defensive breakdown that really shouldn't be happening at this point. And I don't, I don't blame Pavisic on this at all just because there's no way he can see the pass across. And by the time that he's able to at least remotely track it, it's already being redirected into the, you know, far side top corner. Like, there's nothing he can do there. So just a huge defensive breakdown, I think, where you just kind of leave a guy unmarked and he makes you pay for it and – we're going to end up seeing the same thing on the other goal that Merrimack scores as well. Just another complete lapse of concentration and just kind of overall making sure that there's one guy on each, on, on each opposing player. You know, you, you can't let that happen. 
Yeah, I don't want to say it's becoming a signature of this team, but uh, we've seen it time and time again this year when the opposing team is getting a lot of pressure and a lot of zone time. UMass kind of collapses in on its own goal and freezes. The skaters kind of just stay where they are. Yep. And it has allowed a lot of teams to to skate into areas that are uncovered and score goals that way. So um, pr- kind of a frustrating uh, brand of defense to see there. And like you said, it'll it'll pop up later. UMass played really well in this period. It ends uh, with UMass leading in shots 17 to 12. Um, and that was even more lopsided. Merrimack had a, had a little flurry near the end of the period. So um, yeah, UMass kind of dominating possession looked really good and just an overall really solid period. Yeah. I mean, just those shot totals right there kind of show you how much of an offensive minded period it was, you know, like we were kind of talking about the whole time that like, or at least, you know, that was one of the things that I brought up in the preview episode was like most teams would probably just want to dig their heels in and try and just make this a really, really tough defensive game. But both teams were finding ways to get pucks to the net. And that's kind of what you have to do with both of the goalies kind of playing really well overall this season. Like Pat's been doing his thing and Olas was doing his thing as well. So, you know, I think both teams are really just trying to whittle down the goalies as much as humanly possible because they've really been very, very solid this season. Sometimes just sheer volume will, will get the puck in the back of the net for you. Yeah. And uh, that is how the period ended. There were a few penalties. There was a, a Bollinger interference with an offsetting embellishment, which always fires yeah. everybody up. How can you possibly have both on the same play? Uh, but they keep calling it. That happened about midway through. And then we see Mercury get a holding call near the end of the third. That's what allowed that flurry from um, Merrimack. But UMass able to, to hold that off. We go to the second period now, and this is where things really started to unravel for UMass in terms of their discipline. We see... A lot of penalties. Um, just to start, Merrimack got called with a uh, um, what, what protocol call violation. Yeah, protocol violation. We saw it called against UMass earlier this year. Um, I I was up up on my feet yelling before the ref announced it, hoping he'd catch it. And uh, our boy Tufts, the referee, he did catch it. So uh, they get the penalty. UMass doesn't take advantage of it, although they look pretty decent on that power play. And we see a, a soft interference call on Ryan Sullivan. I didn't really think it was an, an actual penalty. Um, I didn't see the replay, so correct me if I'm wrong there. And then um, we see offsetting minors, Lucas Mercury, another penalty for him, um, and Alex Jeffries on Merrimack, a roughing and unsportsmanlike offsetting call. And then eight minutes into the period, Mercury again um, on a play. You really just can't do it. He slew foots a guy. Um, they had to review it to make sure, but it was pretty clear um, based on how long the review took. He gets five for the slew foot. Ten-minute game misconduct is thrown out of the game, and he had himself a quite the 28 minutes, uh, three penalties, one of them being a major, and UMass heads to the, to the five-minute penalty kill. So tough performance there. Yeah, I mean – Originally, when I saw the call, I'm kind of thinking, like, there's just two guys kind of tied up, and they both went down. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really think too much of it, and I saw a couple people on Twitter kind of share my sentiments. Some people were thinking the other way, and, I mean, I've kind of settled on the opinion, like, if the referees feel the need to review it, they look at it with a bunch of different camera angles, and then they call it a a five-minute major. I'm going to, I'm going to take their word for it. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to actually have to review a penalty and that's the conclusion that you draw. Yeah. You're probably going to be right 99% of the time with that call. So I can't be that upset with it. I feel like I'm more upset with Lucas Mercury and the fact that he 
trying to do the mental math here, that's what, 19 penalty minutes yep. he, he's accrued? Like, I mean, what the hell, man? You know what I mean? Like, you're supposed to be, you know, a really, really solid contributor to this team, you know? And as of recently, he was playing much better. I'm pretty sure he gave him the CCC award. It was either last game or the game previous. Like, we gave him, yeah, CCC last game and and the picture uh, for the for the preview episode for this one. Like, we, we were holding him in such a high regard because I personally thought that he started the season off pretty poorly, you know? And he started to really pick up his game, and it culminated into – a very, very highly coveted high character award on one of our podcasts. I mean, what better honor is there, you know, <laughs> to, just to get the, the CCC award on the high character podcast, but no, in all seriousness, definitely not one of his finest moments. I would lean to say quite the opposite. This might be a low point for his time at UMass because 19 penalty minutes like that is just inexcusable. As, in as less simple than as half it is. the game. Exactly. Like, I mean, that's not even like I, I couldn't even say that if he racked up 19 penalty minutes across the entire game and got kicked out at the very end of the game, that's not acceptable either. But yeah, that just shows you just how much more insane that is that he managed to rack up that many in such a short time. So really needs to. And I mean, that just kind of shows you the overall discipline issues that we've had over the past couple of games. I think we've been super undisciplined. And it's really bit us in the ass as of recent. Right, and it's not just freshmen. Uh, we looked into the numbers. It's honestly more the upperclassmen that are doing that kind of thing. So really frustrating. But UMass actually does a great job killing this off. All An amazing minutes. job. Doesn't seem like Merrimack even gets close to a solid opportunity on this five-minute penalty. Yeah. And then as soon as the penalty is killed off, we see Taylor McCarr with an absolute knucklehead penalty. Uh, like the, the, the second the penalty is killed off, um, to go back on the penalty kill. So total of seven minutes of penalty killing in the middle chunk of that second period there. Just really, really frustrating stuff. And that's the worst part is I can't even be mad about the refs because like when I when I saw Taylor, like I think what had happened was we literally had just cleared like the last like puck basically on that on that penalty kill. The Merrimack player, I forget who it was, was chasing it down basically to come and corral it and you know start making a play up the ice with it. And Taylor as Taylor does is going 110% on the play and is just rushing down there with what I can only describe as Connor McDavid level speed. You know, he, he's just going down there with everything that he possibly could. And uh, yeah, um, just he, I guess he tries to make a play on the puck. I can't really tell, but basically he just, just basically kinda, takes a chop at the guy's legs. Exactly. He, <laughs> he's whacking downwards. It looks like a, like, he looks like a woodsman just trying to chop down like a, like a massive log for the winter. It's like, dude, what are you doing? And I think the entire arena, like just kind of looked at him and was just like, dude, what the hell, you know, like, I'm pretty sure we heard it from the bench. Like Harvey was rightfully so not pleased. I think the rest of the bench was, you know, even the players were probably just thinking like, dude, what the hell? We just worked our asses off for the past five minutes trying to get rid of this power play. And we're literally right back on it. So, you know, and it's another just you got to take the good with the bad when you when you deal with Taylor McCarr. I feel like like sometimes he's just going to put up some electric performances and then sometimes you're going to get the, the goofy sophomore kid that he is at times. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just these things are going to happen and hopefully he can smarten up in the near future. I mean, yeah, super unfortunate. Yeah, another night. Uh, this that was UMass's last penalty of the night. Another night in which they have six penalties. Um, that's become way too much of a pattern this year. Yep. We saw it last game, and we've seen it a few other times. That's a very high number of penalties to take, and you just got to be more disciplined. Than that or you're not going to be winning games. Mm -hmm. um, 
the UMass was able to uh, hold out until the very end of this period uh, when Evan foreshadowed it earlier. Another little breakdown um, happens. The goal is scored with 1.5 seconds left. Another situation where UMass has three guys around the crease that are just kind of frozen there. Um, guys splits them, skates right through. It was Ottoville Lepinen. What a name, by the way, Ottoville Lepinen. Mm-hmm. Um, skates right through the three defenders and just roofs one on uh, on Pavisic, who really got left out to dry. And just uh, I know Coach Carvel mentioned it in his post game. Just he was pissed off about that one to say the least. Just a <laughs> unacceptable goal to give up. And it's he should be pissed off because I'm looking at this goal right now, and there are two glaring names that are popping out in terms of this defensive breakdown. It's Matt Koopman. He clearly didn't have his Duncan at the time. You know what I mean? He was, he was sleeping. Hopefully Duncan can sponsor us with that one because <laughs> I am really happy that I just came up with that off the top of my head. Um, and yeah, all jokes aside, also Ryan Sullivan, man was asleep on this play as well. Um, super unfortunate. I mean, so Sullivan's kind of looking at the puck here and he's covering like the far side of the ice from where the puck's at. And there's nobody over there. There's not a single soul. He is covering the, the face-off dot where nobody is inhabiting that space. He is, for all intents and purposes, useless in this defense right now. He's the not Slava actually, Demin defense. I don't even want to say that because we just lost to his team. So I mean, I the can't Slava even, Demin 2021 defense. Yeah, we're we're getting UMass Slava Demin levels of, of defense yeah. right here, like literal pylon. And Koopman's kind of looking at the at, looking at the puck carrier here, but he has a man gliding in. Uh, that that man's name is. Ottoville Lepinen, by the way, the eventual goal scorer is just gliding in behind him, untouched in the low slot. Literally, you have you have Pavisic staring him down with the fear of God in his eyes because it is just him and a tipped puck against the world. Like there's just he he just there's no help to be seen on this play. And especially when you have three seconds left, right? If you, if you look at the clock and you have three seconds left, you can hear it from the fans. Everyone's counting it down. Everybody on the ice should know the situation that they are in right now. All you have to do is put your body in front of the puck and make sure that nothing clean goes on net. Simple as that. And just, you can't have an, a guy just, again, completely unmarked. Like that, That's how they got both of their goals this game, was just by finding the soft spot in our defense and exploiting it. And I don't want to, I mean, obviously Merrimack has been playing very well this season, but if we want to talk about having, you know, natty, natty championship level hopes as, as come to expect with a Carvel led program at this point, you know, we're, this is new mass. We're, we're here to expect great things. I think teams that are even better than Merrimack are going to be able to exploit those even worse. You know what I mean? Like you said before, I think it's a miracle that we only gave up two goals because in the grand scheme of things, Pavisic probably stopped another five or six chances that were damn near identical to this throughout the throughout the game. Yeah, you said at the game, if this was BU, we'd be getting lit up on the score. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's just it's getting on my nerves, man. You know, and just coupled with the fact that I don't want to spoil the third period, but if we only get one goal in a game, you know what I mean? Like it's not a recipe for success when you're giving up this many, you know, high quality chances in very very bad times of the game in the grand scheme of things you know because now all of a sudden what we thought 
with three seconds left in the period, what we thought was going to be a one, one game where, you know, we're going into this just fresh brand new period, you know, think about a zero, zero game and just try and win this next period. Now we got a hill to climb, you know, it, it came up literally out of thin air. And that's, again, that, that's that complete mentality change. Just, I feel like really deflated us and really, really made it tough to have a really solid third period after that. Yeah, and thanks to the penalties, Merrimack wins the shot totals in that period, 19-7. to Like Evan said, they really should have scored more goals. Uh, Pavisic was standing on his head, and so was the post behind him. There were a couple (laughs) post ringers. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, really should have been more. We go to the third, 2-1, to and really not much happened. Uh, A lot of neutral zone hockey in uh, in this third period. UMass did go to the power play twice um, in the the first one. It didn't really seem like they did too much with it. The second time happened with 40 seconds left in the game um, off of a face-off violation. The ref really quick to throw his hands up on that. And Merrimack bench was not happy. Um, and UMass pulled the goal. He had a six on four for 40 seconds and had some really solid chances, but too little, too late. They weren't able to put one in. And they dropped this one two to one in a just really frustrating overall game. That's the yeah, word I've I, been using a lot today. Yeah, I really can't be mad about the officiating here for the most part because my boy Jeremy Tufts, I don't know, like we could probably do a whole separate podcast episode on my story with Jeremy Tufts because he, he's kind of a legend. But uh yeah, I mean he kind of he gave us a fighting chance there at the end. I really can't blame the officiating because it was a bit of I don't want to say it's a suspect call because I do think that those were like violations, but yeah, he he. You never pretty, see that called a penalty. Exactly. Like you, you see that. Like he was, he was ready to call that. It seemed like he had that in his back pocket the whole time. He might have had a personal vendetta against the Merrimack player. I have no clue. But yeah, I obviously I'm gonna welcome that with open arms. But sadly, it didn't lead to anything. Um, that whole play right there, like that whole sequence of like 35, 40 seconds on the power play, to me, it kind of summed up the whole game in the sense that we did have a fair amount of zone time and it just didn't seem like we could really get anything done with it. Like there was a lot of like, that's kind of, you know, like when Carvel talks about like, like the team's identity, I think that's kind of what it's boiled down to is just a lot of like chippy greasy goals for the most part, like just trying to get that puck into the, into the low slot, into that kind of danger zone and then just hack away at it and pray because I don't know if it's just kind of the overall team composition and just kind of, you know, the types of players that we've recruited recently, but we don't really have that killer scoring instinct in this team, in my opinion. You know, we, we've seen it like, let me, let me pull this up real quick. In our last, in our last four games, we haven't scored more than two goals in a game. And two of those games have been one goal. Like we've only scored one goal in our past two games. We've only scored two goals total that's 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 not how you win games man like we were we were doing so well early on in the season scoring you know granted our numbers were inflated quite a bit with with the union series like we get that but you know as of recently man like we we've looked toothless you know we we put ourselves into very very decent positions which is what we expected our team is very very solid at passing the puck effectively and being unselfish and trying to find the open man but then when we find ourselves in those good positions, our shooting is, for all intents and purposes, freaking horrendous. You know, like two-on-ones. Whenever we have a, a wide-open opportunity on net where we can just skate in, where, you know, it always seems like teams like that we play against, 
they default to covering the passer because they know that that's our only, our only chance really, you know, like if we get that cross creaser and we genuinely have the entire net to shoot at, I'm going to be honest. I only give ourselves maybe a 50, 50 shot at scoring. Even then, you know, like when the goalie's in front of us, man, I'm not expecting us to pick corners. Like I feel like the team tries their best to try and pick the corners. And I might, I'm going to call out some guys here because I, again, I'm not going to say that I'm a good hockey player, but I'm not the one playing D1 hockey right now. Like I, when I think of this, I think of guys like Ryan Sullivan. He, he's been constantly putting pucks over the net. I'm thinking of Eric Faith. He had, I think, one or two opportunities in this game alone where he was in on a very, very solid opportunity. The, the, he looked off the pass because it was covered by the other guy and he had a one-on-one with the goalie and straight up just shot it over the boards, I think once or twice throughout that game. That's, that's unacceptable. It hit the damn net. Like, I don't think we've had that sort of killer instinct since John Leonard, in my opinion, you know, like once Bobby. he was, well, Bobby, Bobby, yeah, yeah. But I think personally, I'm saying I didn't want to mention Bobby because I think he had much more to his game than just shooting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking like pure, the only reason you're here is sniping. You know what I mean? Like that's why you're here is to score goals. I think Bobby did it all. So mm-hmm. that, that was no shade to Bobby whatsoever. And I appreciate the, like the correction because I didn't want people to think that either. That's a very, very fair point that you brought up there, but yeah, it's, it's been super unfortunate. Just, it doesn't seem like, like we we're doing very well in chance creation, but I feel like chance finishing has been super poor. And the whole reason why I finally went off on this tangent was because in those last 40 seconds, we were literally just throwing pucks on net. And we had three guys in front of the net, just literally, we, we looked like we were playing curling. Like we were just sweeping the ice the whole time, just trying to knock it in somehow. And we couldn't elevate the puck. We were literally keeping it on the ice the entire time. And when you're playing against a fucking six foot eight goalie, his pads are going to be massive. He's already covering the whole bottom half of the ice like that. You know, like we just, we're not putting ourselves in a solid position. Like, no, we we're putting ourselves in a solid position to score, but we're not finishing off those chances with nearly the sort of efficiency that we require to win games. Plus, I think we're coming, we're becoming a bit predictable on offense, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the, the power play or man advantage opportunities. You see either shots from the points from the likes of uh, Ufko or Morrow, or um, a setup play where it goes from the point to the low slot to the high slot. Yep. We see that a lot and teams are starting to figure that, that play out a little bit. So um, especially Merrimack, I thought they were all over it in this game yep. on, on both of those opportunities. And also um, UMass it was a little shorthanded for this. Um, Reed Lepster got hurt and near the, I forget if it was the end of the second or the beginning of the third, but yep. near there he got shaken up and he missed a lot of his minutes um coach carvel said that we were missing a few players from the flu i imagine that's michael cameron and owen murray he's talking about um, yeah that makes sense yeah so michael cameron's been pretty good on offense for us especially with his speed lately so that's um a tough break to lose him also but um also no excuses i mean this team has had a lot of a lot of trouble scoring and some things need to change. Um, also, Tyson Dick, he hasn't played in a while. I honestly wouldn't mind seeing him back out there for the next game. We know he's sat in the last four or five. So anything um, to get the offense going. He had a couple points earlier this season. So um, just got to change things up and find a way to start scoring some goals because it is not coming easy right now. And the last thing I wanted to mention before we move on is just, I, I think like just 
the overall luck was kind of really unfortunate in terms of not having, you know, like a full squad because we get Mercury out for the whole game. Well, a good half of the game, basically, due to the game misconduct. And then, yeah, obviously with Lebster missing some time during the game, I think he did come back in the third period for a little bit, but I don't think he took a lot of shifts, if I remember correctly. I think he still was a little bit banged up. It was limited, yeah. Yeah, so, and but the worst part about that that I wanted to highlight this is like the first game in I think like maybe five or six games where we had Mikey Adamson as the extra skater, who's a defenseman. I think we're usually we're, we're putting in a Jerry Harding in that role to be like the extra forward. I think we would have been a lot better off in our forward core if we had an extra forward available, you know, like just literally the, the one time that we play an extra demon instead of an extra forward, we end up losing two forwards throughout the game. It's like, that's just a super unfortunate circumstance. And it's just another reason why, you know, I don't want to pin that as, you know, a reason that we lost the game, obviously, but it was just another contributing factor. You know what I mean? It was just super unfortunate. Yeah. It makes me uh, think that there might not be a lot of trust in Tyson Dick, having him be out there as at least the extra skater. Um, he, he also could have easily been one of those guys that Carvel mentioned that have the flu, but um, could have been. he's, he's been out for longer than that would last. So that's the reason it sparks the question, but yeah, just uh, it's kind of, how we got there, I guess, with our um, scoring woes. And we'll have a lot of time to think about it. UMass, with three weeks off now before the, the quick trip holiday face-off, I think it's called, yep. in Wisconsin. Um, they're playing th- uh, two unranked opponents in that. Uh, we're not sure who the second game opponent will be, but both of the possibilities are unranked right now. So um, should be a good way to, to write the script as we start the second half. One would hope. I mean... Like, like we've mentioned, I think, time and time again, we've had a very, very, very difficult start to the season in terms of scheduling. And I'd like to think for, by the bare minimum, the first three games, maybe the first four, if you count BC, we got, we got some winnable games there. You know what I mean? I think we can definitely gain some momentum. And then after those four games, we go right back to BU. It was clearly a thorn in our side early on the season, so... Hopefully we can get some momentum going our way. You know, that's going to be huge. I personally think that we should be the winner of the holiday face-off, you know, just looking at the teams there. But, you know, it's the game of it's the game of hockey, man. Anything can happen. So I'm never going to rule anything out because I remember the last time I was very overconfident in our team, we got burnt. So I'm going to temper my expectations going forward. But, uh, yeah, I definitely do think that we have some uh, some opportunities to at least get some, some more out-of-conference wins. You know, it – Really tough that, you know, our conference play has been a little bit less than stellar. But again, like we said, I think, you know, we'll be playing a fair amount of teams that are in the bottom half of those standings right now. So I think we can definitely claw some some points back and hopefully things go our way in the future. Yeah. And uh, one more final note before we move on to awards. Uh, Merrimack had 39 shots in this game. We talked in the, the preview yeah. episode that UMass needs to start limiting those if they want any chance to win. And they didn't again at 39 shots. Yeah. Um it's hard to win when you give up that many. So, um, yeah, let's move on to our awards. First one we give out is, like you mentioned, the prestigious CCC wow. Award, uh, Carvel's Character and Compete Award. This time it is going to Luke Pavisic. He uh, obviously got the loss in this game, but he it could have been a lot worse if he wasn't standing on his head. He made a lot of great saves. Um, bailed this team out on a lot of odd man rushes that they created. So uh, he did, he did have a few post ringers behind him, 
But uh, overall, really, really solid play. The only two goals he gave up, he was left out to dry. So uh, stick taps to Luke Pavisic on his effort to keep UMass in this game. It really, really sucks that we can have a goalie put in such a solid performance and not get a W for it. Like, the goal support has been lacking for him, and I, I really do feel for him. You know, like, I I don't really think anybody particularly expected this level of, of really, really good play out of him. I think there was more or less just question marks rather than doubts, but he has absolutely just completely obliterated all expectations. And, again, it's just – Really, really unfortunate that we haven't been able to put together a really, really commanding defense in front of him to at least make his life a bit easier because, like you said, 39 shots against, and a fair amount of those were very, very high quality. I think – I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but Merrimack had at least four or five breakaways or odd man rushes, you know, just kind of like really, really solid chances, you know, with speed and, um, and going into the ozone. So that's just – you know, his ability, it, it's kind of funny to me how, like, we, we play so poorly on shootouts, and then our first thought is, you know what, let's let's give Pavisic a little bit more shootout practice and throw some breakaways on him and, you know, really make, really give him some more practice in that context. But, uh, yeah, no, I digress. Um, super, super unfortunate for him. I mean, I don't want to, like, get down on him because clearly, you know, we're talking about how well he played, and I don't want to, you know, turn his individual accolade into kind of a, a more team-oriented, you know, thing to talk about but yeah no he definitely has been doing his thing he's been a commanding presence you know he was very very solid at least you know the one thing that I kind of wanted to to highlight was that I think he was very good at covering the puck when it was in front of him in the zone I think there was kind of a lot of weird little scramble plays in front of the net that I thought he was really on top of just kind of you know trying to track the puck inside of the crease and make sure that there was no opportunity for a random you know Merrimack player to try and slap it in I think he was just a really, really good force in front of the net. So, yeah, I'm, as always, you know, I'm hoping that this level of play can continue. But I also want to highlight that I hope the rest of the team can also elevate their play to, one, both give him an easier time in net, and two, make it so he doesn't have to put up almost 40 saves to keep it a one-goal game when we only give him one goal to work off of on the other end of the ice. You know, just really sucks to see. It almost seemed at times like he – bent but didn't break in goal which is what you want Breaking but how, is, how, is how much how much more can this man bend you know what i mean like yeah. me and you we both took you know strength and materials classes in our engineering courses and we we know about all that type of stuff you know you, you can only stress a material so far before it eventually breaks so i'm hoping that we can kind of reinforce them a little bit more you know hey, what that's I mean? that's what we saw when we played uh bu in providence that's the the result of that yeah and i don't want to see that anymore yeah like it wasn't like he was bad in, in those games. It's just Certainly. no help. So um, congrats to Luke Pavisic. That was a really solid game. Yep. Uh, sad to see him not get the win. All right. The next award that we give out is the Good Try UMass Award. Somebody that we'd like to improve upon a little bit for the next game. And this one is rather obvious if you look at the um, the game log. It's Lucas Mercury. He had 19 penalty minutes. Um, really put his team behind the eight ball on this one. And I'm it's uh, just a really tough performance when you uh, make your guys have to kill off that many penalties and get yourself thrown into the game so you can't help with that. Honestly, I don't even know how much more, I, you know, what else I could say about it. You, it's the reality of it. You know, that's I don't want to I don't want to immediately just like attack him and just say like that it's selfish or anything like that, because 
and you know any rational human being would say yeah he clearly didn't mean to do that like you know there's no way that he wants to get out of the game but like you gotta smarten up man you know like you can't be making actions on other players that even could be remotely perceived as a game misconduct worthy play you know and it you're already not helping your case when you already received an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty three minutes prior. You know, like now, now the refs have your number, they have your name, they they understand the context of your actions going forward. And when you make an even remotely bad looking play from that point onward, they're going to be very quick to grab their whistles and try and defuse the situation at any moment possible because they don't want things to escalate. And I think I think Mercury should understand that. You know what I mean? Like he's a smart guy. He's a smart player. We've seen him play. You know, he understands the game of hockey, but I don't know if it was just his emotions got the better of him. I don't I don't know what it was. You know, I didn't really see any sort of crazy chirping beforehand besides those matching roughing calls. But you figure you spend two minutes in the box to cool off and you'll be good to go. But in this case, it clearly didn't happen. And yeah, it really just dug a hole for us that we clearly just couldn't get ourselves out of you know what I mean like just really sucked to see yeah and frustrating for us after the last game before we gave him a CCC award and said we we ain't talking about him enough let's let's uh talk about him feature him here give him the the picture of the post of our pregame episode so we were hyping uh, him up and he let us down yeah just uh just a tough showing um I don't think that type of play will last from him. Just kind of a blip on the radar, but definitely deserved for this award for this game. Yeah, we can we can only give awards out for the things that we see in that game. You know, that, that's not indicative of his season so far. But, yeah, if we look at it on a game-by-game basis, he really dropped the ball on this one. Yeah. All right, so let us move on to our custom awards now. We each give out a custom award this year. I guess I'll go first. My award is going to be called the Wild Wild West Award. Um it in the wild wild west you have a shootout some might call it a draw um somebody who was really good with the draws yesterday josh nodler uh we we haven't really talked about him too much this season but uh he's been really solid in the faceoff dot especially in this game against merrimack he was 15 and 6 that's good for 71.4 percent so um not not too much good in this game to to pick from but this was definitely a really big bright spot for, for UMass being able to um, control the possession when they um, were on the penalty kill and stuff like that. So good job, Josh Nodler in the face off dot. Yeah. I think you're going to have to give yourself a little bit of a pat, pat on the back there, Cameron. I mean, you were the one that kind of highlighted in the preview episode, how poor Merrimack was on the face off dot. And we, we talked about it earlier on in the season. I think it was in the, the season preview that Nodler, you know, I feel like one of his, main contributions to the team was going to be his face-off prowess you know like when he came from I believe it was Michigan State if if I remember correctly he uh he was kind of their face-off guy you know I feel like he was kind of meant to be not necessarily in the in the points department but at least in kind of the defensive end and the face-off department um he was going to be kind of the Lupino replacement and tonight or last night was kind of what we got from that you know like that he definitely was looking very very solid in the in the face-off dot I mean kind of sucks that it didn't really necessarily lead to much offensively for the team. And obviously it didn't really, you know, make enough of a difference to carry us to the win, but regardless, you know, a stat is a stat and he definitely did his job when it, when it came to that specific stat. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you guys aren't listening to our 
game preview episodes each one that goes by we're, we're starting to get more and more on we the we are getting these, so. very very accurate with our predictions so i think i think you know we don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much but i think you know it, sometimes it needs to be said i think we are we are definitely getting better in that department it's worth a listen before the games to get you ready for it I'll say that certainly all right so uh evan what is your custom award all right so we decided on going with the icy hot award and I'm giving this one to Taylor McCarr. He's hot and he's cold. All right. He heated up the game very, very, you know, early on into the game. He, I mean, just scoring a minute and a half into the game, you're always going to be, you know, labeled as a hero. You know what I mean? Like that's just yeah, a wonderful. Fires the boys up. Exactly. Fires the boys up, you know, like icy hot, you know, you got to get it. You got to get it hot. I'm pretty sure it's kind of oddly enough though. I think the icy hot commercial goes, goes icy to dull the pain, then hot to relax it away. But this time he's going hot to get all the momentum in our favor. And then immediately, well, I shouldn't say immediately, but close, you know, about halfway through the second period, he gets icy when he's out there chasing down the puck right after a five minute, you know, major penalty kill. And we're all feeling ourselves and, you know, the momentum's going in our favor after a big kill. And he just says, eh, let's, let's, let's hack the guy in front of me down real quick. So he can, you know, basically fall over directly into the boards and almost break his neck come on dude you know like you're gonna have some amazing moments and then you're gonna have some absolutely garbage moments like this like it's just another case of smartening up you know like mercury and mccarr you know were at least in our opinions i want to say in the in the season preview i'm pretty sure i i picked taylor mccarr to be an improved player and i think you might have picked mercury off the top of my head yeah and these are two guys that are supposed to be you know real big time contributors to the team and then they start making boneheaded plays like this it's just it's it's never what you want to see out of, out of your guys that you're expecting to make big time contributions you know they're they're making contributions but for the other team's behalf you know and it's super unfortunate to see yeah and the the stats back you up with that he uh is second on the team in goals behind Kenny Connors and also second on the team in penalties behind Ryan Lautenbach so uh <sighs> we see uh, the highest of highs and sometimes the lowest of lows from him. But uh, overall, he's plus five on the year. So obviously he's having a decent impact on the ice. Just got to clean it up with the penalties. It could be a little wild out there. Certainly. All right. I think that is everything that we wanted to touch upon this game. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, I don't like that we're three, six, and one in conference play. No, and great. I mean – Part of me thinks that that's just we could make a whole separate episode on that, just talking about the conference, you know, play that we've had. But I mean, overall, I don't really have that much more to add. I mean, I remember I watched a, probably half of the Carvel post game presser um, last night when it came out, and one of the things that he said was that he's not very happy with the fact that we have a three three week break coming up. He thinks that this could have been like, you know, kind of a moment where we could, you know, start to build up some momentum and really hit a stride because he saw a lot of, you know, he did see bright spots in our game, you know, that were obviously overshadowed by some of the lesser spots. But I mean, me personally, I'm kind of in the opposite boat. I think this could be a really good time to kind of, you know, refresh a little bit, just kind of, you know, get our, get our heads back on our shoulders a little bit and kind of calm down because again, you know, as much as the Lowell penalties weren't really deserved, we still had a couple of fair penalties in that game that were called against us. You know, I think we just got to kind of relax and cool down a little bit, you know, reset, you know, put this, put this kind of first half of the season behind us a little bit and really just start to look forward to, 
what is ultimately a much weaker schedule going forward, at least in my opinion. So I don't, I'm not really sure that I agree with Carvel in the sense that, you know, we, we, we should be having kind of, you know, it would be ideal if we had games going forward through this break. I think this break is going to be much needed just to kind of get everybody back on the same page again, because I feel like at times we are a little bit disjointed. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, I guess if I'm going off of what I want to see in the second half of the season, um, maybe you could share something that you want to see after this, but uh, one, I, I want to see at least one game of having that freshman offensive line back Tyson Dick, Kolohara and uh, Kenny Connors. I want to see that that worked pretty well in the beginning of the season. Um, I want to see Michael Cameron get more minutes. I think he's really proved himself so far this season. Um, and I think he's deserving of that. And I kind of want to see that line um, that we saw last night, Faith, um, Sullivan, and Harding. Was that the line, the fourth line yesterday? Um, That sounds right, yeah. I, I need to see that line split up. I, there's no goal scoring in that line and it's it's been kind of a tough watch for me so I, I don't think those players are necessarily bad that's not what I'm saying I think I think they'd be better mixed up a bit into the lineup so those are the three things that I want to see as we start the second half I don't know if you have anything I have two and one of them the first one I'll say right now is kind of building off of the point that you just made about splitting up lines I absolutely love the McCarr Connors Lebster line Mm-hmm. Love it to death. But the problem is, is it's going to sound kind of weird. I think I love it too much. I think we have too much of a good thing on one line. Yes. I think we need to, br- I think we need to break that up and spread out the goal scoring a little bit. I think Taylor McCarr is enough of like a one man wrecking ball to where he can kind of make a line dangerous on his own. I think, I don't think he needs Kenny Connors in, in Lebster to kind of facilitate him succeeding. In my opinion, I think he's the type of guy that can just get the puck in the D zone carry it all the way single-handedly into the ozone and try and make a play happen. Um, Give me like Nodler, Taylor, and Loughton back on a line. That'd be yeah. a madman line. That, that would be a little bit of a crazy line. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that, and that's kind of a weird thing. Like, I don't want to get like too serious with this, but like, uh-huh. that's kind of a thing that like, I'm like, I don't know how I'm feeling about Loughtonbach right now. Like he just, I feel like he's had a decent amount of chances in front of the net and just, I don't know if it's just the way that he shoots or where he's shooting, but it doesn't matter what happens. It always just seems like the goalie is there to make a save, you know, like he, he finds himself in pretty decent positions due to his line mates that can find him the puck. And he just can't seem to pull the trigger, you know, well enough to get it in the back of the net. And that's not to say that he's not doing other things decently, but I mean, like you said, I'm pretty sure he's leading the team in penalty minutes right now, obviously not, not thinking about um not minutes uh number of penalties exactly that's what i'm saying because you know yeah keith you can mercury Mercury. had majors so you know i just i don't i don't have all the answers this is why i'm not a fucking you know an ncaa d1 coach but like i think we definitely need to split up that that kind of really really solid line that's kind of doing their thing right now um i don't know the best way to do that but that's 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 the point that I'm trying to get across here. I think we should try and get more evenly distributed scoring throughout the lines because having it all on one line, if all they need to do is put out their third or fourth line, that's like a shutdown line. And then that's it. What do we do? You know what I mean? Like we're really just kind of grasping at straws, trying to score goals. But um, the other thing that I would like to see, um, and obviously this is going to come with time because it's injury related. I kind of want to see Lyndon Alger back. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, that would be ideal. Um, 
I have no idea, you know, I'm assuming it'll probably be like about a month or so. You know, I think he screwed up his ankle or his leg or something like that. He's probably not still not feeling too great. Broke his ankle. Yeah, like super unfortunate injury for him. But yeah, I just think purely having his experience would work wonders and, you know, for the team. Um, I really, you know, can't call it a specific, you know, defender that's really just kind of been, you know, not doing their job. Um, But we're just I'll give super, props. Bollinger has been doing his job the most, in my opinion. He's he's been super solid. I mean, I feel like you know, same thing with like McDermott to an extent. Like, I feel like most of the 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 older defensemen that are kind of there to be experienced guys have been have been doing their job. I feel like they've been less error prone as of as of late. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. like I forget what was it, the Providence series or the BU series. I think McDermott had a couple blunders, you know, but yeah, that's all in the past now. You know, I think as of recently the older defensemen have kind of stepped up and really shown, shown what they can bring to the table. Um, and I think Alger can, can definitely do that because I'm just not sure if all of these freshmen that we're playing right now are ready. You know what I mean? It seems like it's kind of been a rotating door of Owen Murray, Kennedy O'Connor, Mikey Adamson, Noah Ellis and Noah Ellis that have just kind of been in this revolving door of who's going to play on the third pairing and nothing's really stuck yet. You know, they don't, they can't really develop any sort of chemistry because they don't know who they're going to be playing with day in and day out. They don't really, you know, when you play two freshmen together who are still trying to figure out the ropes of NCAA B1 hockey, it's, it's, you're going to have growing pains like that. And I feel like we've already had a lot of those this season. And I feel like if we kind of want to, you know, be a, an upper echelon team this season and really try and make some noise, we got to limit those as much as humanly possible. I think, you know, we just, we just need more experience on that blue line right now. And I think Alger will, you know, granted his first two seasons that he played didn't really, you know, he didn't really play a whole lot. I wouldn't say he has a lot of game time experience, but he's more experienced in the sense that he's, he's older, he's mature, he's a bigger body. You know, he, he's been around the program for longer. So he understands what to do. He has all the intangibles of an experienced player. Um, so I think, I think that would be a big boost going forward, but, and, you know, hopefully he's getting closer and closer to being healthy. Yeah, and uh, the fact that he's a stay-at-home D-man kind of would be pretty welcome for this team at this point. It's funny how before the season started, our biggest question mark arguably was the goaltender situation, yep. and that's not a question mark at all. It's a lot of other things. So It's the only thing that we're confident in at this point. Yeah. Like it, It's unbelievable. Like We, we kind of thought that we had everything completely answered at the beginning of the season when we swept Denver, and then we were kind of riding that high for a bit, and then the cracks were showing, and then – started to figure it out and now we're feeling a little crappy again like I don't know I mean I definitely still think the question marks are there regarding the goal scoring you know like we have a couple of upper echelon dudes and then it kind of feels like last season all over again you know like I don't really think we have a a quote-unquote Bobby you know what I mean that's just literally taking over a game single-handedly I think we have a couple of guys that are like a step below that that you know they're not going to take over a game but they're going to help you, you know, score some goals and, you know, make your mark on the game. And the defense has been, for lack of a better term, a bit suspect, you know, if, you know, if we can be honest with each other here, you know, it's been super unfortunate to kind of, I, I kind of thought that that was going to be a pretty big bright spot was just because it always seems like Carvel has kind of been like the defenseman whisperer, you know, like that's kind of always been his, area of expertise is developing defensemen and 
teaching the right way to play, you know, mainly in more of an offensive perspective, but obviously on the defensive end too, to become a more complete defenseman. And yeah, that's kind of been one of the, one of the tougher areas. And I mean, you really can't blame the coach or anybody on that too much. It's just, we have a very, very young group, you know, this, this group I feel like is going to improve a lot over the next couple of years and they're going to make a lot of noise, but right now it's just not all coming together at the same time. Yeah. And this would have been a, the tone of this episode would have been a lot better if we had won this game going into the break. Of course. Um, it would have been uh, two, three, oh, and two in the last five games. Like, there's some positives to take out of here. It's just really frustrating way to end it. You kind of just heard all of our uh, first half wrap up thoughts right there. So, um, we're not really sure what the podcast schedule will be before the the quick trip holiday face-off um, we're definitely going to get some episodes out to you guys you just have to stay tuned to our social media to see when those will be dropping we don't have a set schedule as of right now um, in other big news uh, saying it for the first time right now on this episode a lot of you guys have been asking for it um, Friday December 9th we will be offering hats high character hats in the high character apparel store they're the high quality 47 brand. Um, a lot of people have been asking us for these and we were finally able to figure, figure it out. It's going to be a pre-sale for the hats. So um, they're only available for a limited time. So if you want one, you got to get it now. Um, we're going to have one big order and then that'll be it until we ever decide to do hats again, if there's ever the demand. So now is the time to get your high character hat if you've been asking for one. Um, we're really excited about it to finally get it in the store. So uh yeah, go go over to highcharacter.myshopify.com if you want to check those out and order yourself one. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah, I love the hats. I wear it literally almost to every game. Um, super stylish, super comfortable. Really doesn't get much better than that 47 brand. I'm pretty sure they're UMass affiliated. I think like their owner was or their founder was, which how can you not support a UMass, you know, affiliated business not you know what i mean not affiliated in the sense that they're directly tied a to umass, UMass but, grad uh, yeah a umass alum is, is is running running the organization which is super cool to see um we just love to keep the umass ties going you know what i mean we that's the we, we love the university we love the teams we love everything affiliated with it so we're going to try and keep it as local and kind of umass adjacent as humanly possible and yeah i'm super excited to, to get these hats into the into the hands of the people, as they say. Yes, sir. And just remember, they're limited time, so you're going to have to to get yours quickly. Also, um, people have been waiting on the vlogs. They will be trickling out. The people, we uh, put it up to a vote if you want to see the rest of them all in one chunker, uh, video by video. And the people have decided they want them to come out as I finish them. So uh, they will start to trickle out. We'll have the um, day three in a day or two, and then you'll see the rest soon. But uh fun content there if you want to check it out go through our playlist of them and yeah we're, we're gonna take it easy a little bit over this break just like the hockey team is we won't be um posting or or posting episodes quite as much but we'll still be around keep an eye on our social media for for some good episodes it won't be poor content i'll say that yeah never that i mean podcast wise you know considering that what 67 percent of the episodes that we ever put out are directly you know tied to the games that are played there's obviously gonna be a drop off in that perspective but we still got a bunch of posts we're gonna have 
some cool, you know, midweek style episodes like we always do. You know, not going to spoil what we're doing yet because that's all still in the works. The next one will be Belfast Arena Review. That will be That's going to be episode. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the midweek style episodes, arena reviews, interviews and stuff like that. We're going to try and get those into the hands of the people. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, apart from that, we're still going to be having some committal posts. You know, we still have a bunch of those on the back burner that we're trying to get trickled out, you know. Um, a lot of them just kind of, you know, backlogged because they're all really old commits that, you know, we're trying to at least do them with some sort of regularity that we don't just flood the entire page with it all at once. You know, we're trying to, we, we, we have a way of doing it that we're trying to, you know, we have, we have ideas on who's going to be coming to keep in our year. Instagram grid looking clean. Exactly. We don't just want to just completely, you know, puke them all into the hands of the people. You know, we want to delicately and, you know, smartly put them out so everybody can, uh, enjoy them as much as humanly possible without getting burnt out. We don't just want to mm-hmm. give you a massive portfolio of everyone that's coming into the next four years and say, Hey, figure this out. You know, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to make sure that it's nice and easily consumable for the people. So we have some stuff that's still going to be coming out. It's not like we're going anywhere, but we're going to take a little bit of a step back just as the team is right now. We got to recuperate just as much as the team does. Cause quite frankly, there's a lot of work that goes into the stuff that we do as well, just as the team does, you know, like, we literally, in the middle of the week on Wednesday, we traveled, I mean, with the traffic and everything that I had to go through and going through random back roads on Route 140 just to get over there. They, they had me going through random residential neighborhoods in like Lemonster, bro. It was ridiculous because there was like a crash on Route 2. I ended up taking me, I think, like two hours, 45 minutes just to get up to the game and then another two hours to get back. Four, four hours, 45 minutes of travel just to get to a hockey game in the middle of the week, man, like... And we love to be able to do it. We love to be able to do it. Absolutely (laughs) love it. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm completely welcoming this break right now. I'm not complaining (laughs) about it. So yeah. Yeah. It'll be good going forward to get a little bit of a recharge in us. Yeah. So that, uh, that about wraps it up. You heard about this game and kind of a, kind of a first half state of the union from us. So um, like I said, keep your eyes peeled on our social medias, go buy a hat from high character apparel and uh, we love you guys. Thanks for a, a good first half. And here's to a, a better second half. Go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Love the support. And I'm ready for the second half of the season. Let's go.